This is Carter Conlon. I want to welcome you today to this Christmas special entitled Christmas, Your Light in the Darkness. Now, in this particular message, I think you're going to be deeply challenged and hopefully encouraged to take the pathway that God has set for your feet before you and to receive it with joy and to let this light of Christ come into your heart in a, maybe with a new understanding and in a brand new way that will give you courage and conviction to face your days that are ahead of you in a way that maybe you never saw how the power of God can work in your life. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you, God, for the scriptures. Uh, you do tell us that the entrance of your words brings light, and this is a message about light in a time of darkness. So, God, we just ask, Lord, that you just give us the ears to hear and the hearts to receive your word. Each of us, God, no matter our situation, whether on the top of the mountain or the bottom of the mountain, whatever the situation is, God, that you would just give each of us the ability to hear this and prepare us, my God, for the days that we have to walk through just ahead. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, if you do have a Bible with you today, normally I don't do this, but I'd like you to just have your Bible handy. I'm going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, then Luke chapter 2, then John chapter 1. And after we've read those three scriptures and maybe commented on just a little bit, then we're going to be asking some questions and looking at how uh, the answers to those questions really, really are relevant to your life and to my life. Beginning at Isaiah chapter 9, I'm going to start at verse 2 and go uh, right through to verse 7. This incredible promise of God, that the people of God of that time, they lived it, they breathed it, it was their hope, it was their future, they were, they were promised a Messiah. This was the raison d'etre of the people of Israel at this time, and they, they were obviously uh, from time to time in, in great distress and trouble, and they were always surrounded by enemies and attacked, and there seemed to be every weapon of hell had come against them to try to push them away from their purpose, just like you and I experience from time to time. But in this case, it, it, was, it was constant, it was, it was uh, an actual threat of life and death was upon these people. But here's the promise as they heard it. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. In other words, uh, the coming of the Messiah was going to be a momentous thing. It was, it was, it was, it was going to, in their minds at least, it was going to burn like the brightness of the sun. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you've broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his oppressor, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So here's how the people of Israel in many cases, of course, would have seen this. There's going to be this great visitation of God. 
It's going to cause the nation to be multiplied. We're going to be given more than we could ever hope to possess in our own strength. Our joy is going to increase. We're going to rejoice just as in the days of harvest. We're going to have, there's going to be such plenty. We're going to be able to divide the spoil as we rejoice among each other. The, the yoke, in a sense, of, of every oppressive power that's tried to dominate the people of God is going to be broken, just as in the day of Midian. You remember the story of Gideon, for example, when, when the Midianites were caused by God to actually uh, turn their swords against one another, and they, they destroyed themselves, in a sense, and all Israel had to do is just obey God and declare his victory. Every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. And they would have looked and said, our enemies are going to be so destroyed that we're just going to be spending a season just burning their armaments. We're going to use their weapons of war for fuel to heat our homes. And then it goes on and says, for unto us a child is born. See, the, uh, the hint was there, but, you know, there's, there's so much bigness before verse 6, you know, that, that everybody kind of crafts an image of what this is going to look like. And don't we do that, right? You do that, I do that. We craft an image of what our lives are going to look like when the Spirit of God comes upon us and, and how he's going to start working through us and, and what our home and life is going to look like. But in verse 6, the hint is there. For unto us a child is born. It's not a, not a Messiah coming in a chariot with thousands and ten thousands of angels. That, that will happen one day. He will return with an army, according to uh, Jude in the New Testament. But in the beginning, a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. We will no longer be in the days of Christ, of course. Rome was dominating the people of God. And they, they would have known this promise and said, finally, finally, when the Messiah comes, the the power of this dominant world philosophy called Rome is going to be broken and we're going to be free and we will have a king who's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. He'll be the everlasting father, the prince of peace, and his government will have no end and we will be at peace finally forever. And God has promised us the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to perform this. This is going to be a mighty, a marvelous day. This, this is how the people of God of that day would have seen this. Now, let's fast forward to Luke chapter 2 to when the promise through Isaiah is actually comes to fruition. In chapter 2, beginning at verse 9 of Luke, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Remember, they were promised this, this great light. These people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Suddenly, the heavens are open. Suddenly, angels are shouting. Suddenly, there's, uh, there's, there's hope in the air. Then the angel said to them, verse 10 of chapter 2 of Luke, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of God. Great joy. Remember the promise was this incredible joy that we're going to have to all people. For there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill, Towards men. So here we see the actual fulfillment of the promise that God made through the prophet Isaiah. Now let's fast forward again. Thirty years later, the man Jesus Christ 
appears on the scene. He's no longer a babe in a manger, but he's now a fully grown man. He's 30 years of age, and he's come to fulfill everything that was spoken through the prophet Isaiah and was revealed in Luke chapter 2. John says these words in the Gospel of John chapter 1. All things were made through him, beginning at verse 3. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was what? The light. Remember, that it was the people who sat in darkness, a great light. Remember the promise of Isaiah. The people who sit and walk in darkness have seen a great light. So here is the light that was promised. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, it's funny. We can study the scriptures for years and years and years. And, but the problem is we, we craft a view of what this is going to look like in our own minds. And we, we determine what it has to be this way or it can't be God. And then suddenly this, this incredible promise that has never failed, it's, it's, it's fully on course, appears on the earth, and the darkness did not comprehend the light. Now, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Now, John, of course, in verse 8, is talking about John, says he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light, just as I am today to you. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is your light in your season of darkness, whatever that might be, whatever challenge you face, whatever life you're living, whatever home you're in, whatever your family looks like, whatever is happening on your job, Jesus Christ is your light. He is the absolute fulfillment of everything you've ever longed for. He was not the light, but sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10 of John 1 says, he was in the world And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Now, verse 11, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." I mean, this is an incredible, when you look at this and you have all of this, you know, like it's just like you and I today, if we have all the witness of scripture, everything in the word of God is true. Every promise of God is fulfilled. How is it possible? How is it possible that I might be speaking to somebody today, you've been in church maybe for years and years and years and years, and he's come to you and you've not received him. How did that happen with the people of God? How did it happen? How, does, how, how is it happening even in our generation today where there's so many that God's trying to reach? He's trying to bring light into the darkness, and he's coming to them, maybe speaking to them in their sleep, maybe in their uh, times of thought. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's coming, and he's revealing himself, but there's a, there's a resistance in the human heart to receive the Son of God, the promise of God, to receive everything that God said he's going to be to those that are created in his image. Now, let me give you some reasons why I feel that people are loath to receive him. In Luke chapter 2, 
it shows us that maybe the promise of God that came to them was just too small. <laughs> it was like, you know, we get this idea that this is going to be a great light and is going to multiply the nation, increase the joy. There's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a destruction of enemies. The yoke is going to be broken. Uh, there's going to be, we're going to be burning the weapons of our enemies forever. And, and, and we miss verse 6, unto us a child is born. And we, we get it in our hearts that the promise of God has got to be a lot bigger than this. It's, it's just too small. That's why the people of, of, of that day in Luke chapter 2, there was probably so, they knew that a babe was born in a stable and that maybe the shepherds were noising it abroad. The scripture does say that they told others what they had seen. And I, a lot of people just, no, that can't possibly be the Messiah. See, we know the scriptures and we know what God's going to do. We know how he's going to do it. And this is just too small. We, we can't envision Almighty God coming to us this way. It just doesn't make sense. Even though in Isaiah 6, it does say, unto us a child is born. And in John chapter 1, when he came to his own, and the scripture tells us his own didn't receive him. Now remember, in Luke chapter 2, I think they didn't receive him. Many didn't, not all, but many didn't receive him because he was just too small. He just didn't fit their interpretation of who God is and how God works and what God does and what, what it will look like when God comes. But in John chapter 1, Isaiah 53 tells us exactly why he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. It's just simply because he was too ordinary. Isaiah says in chapter 53, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In other words, uh, here we are, God. We're, we're talking about the reality that, that this is going to be you. This is what you're going to do on the earth. This is the form you're going to take. This is how you've come to deliver us. This is where the strength of God really is. So, and Isaiah says, like, who's going to believe this? And who's going to have the revelation of the strength of God? The arm of God means the strength of God. Who's, who's going to know this? And he gives the reason why he's asking the question of who's going to believe it. For he will grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. And you know, a lot, of, a lot of folks don't find their light or maybe the light that God's willing to provide for them in the time of their darkness because the plan of God maybe in their life seems to be too small and maybe their life just looks too ordinary. Now, how about you today? Do you find your calling too small to fit your perspective of what your victory and influence should in Christ look like? Do you feel too ordinary? And this is, a, this is a problem with a lot of people. God, God has come to you. He has sent his son. You will, you will see multiplication. You will increase in joy. You will rejoice. You will divide the spoil. The, the yoke of the oppressor will be broken. You will see incredible victories. But don't, don't be looking for something bigger than what God has already given you. I hope this makes sense to you. But a lot of people just feel... What's going on in my life is just too small right now. It, it can't be God. And my life is just too ordinary. It's not possible 
that God is in this and the great victory that he would have given us or given me that I'm actually living in that victory. And so even though he's coming, and Christmas is a constant reminder that Jesus Christ is your light in a time of darkness, there's still this this thing in the human heart that just wants to push it all away and say, no, if it is God, it has to be bigger than this. If it is God, there has to be something supernatural going on in a way that is uh, that is very visible to the natural eye. And, and if, if God's in my life, why is my life so ordinary? But the question I have for you today is, can you see Jesus in the littleness and ordinary things of each day? <laughs> I mean, can you learn that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And that just because he's come to you in what you think is a little way, it's not little in the sight of God. And, and the little victory you think you have is, a, is much bigger than what you think you possess. You and I have got to get to the point where we realize that as the the writer of the, the old time hymn says, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. His Holy Spirit through Christ now makes his dwelling in the inner parts of my physical body. I'm now the temple of almighty God. And he speaks to me every day about who he is, about what he's doing in my life, and that what I am is not ordinary. I have the presence of God inside this earthen vessel. And if I can or will embrace and acknowledge the littleness of God and the ordinariness of God, this I find to be problematic in a lot of people. They're always discontent and more or less sitting in the shadows because their vision is it has to be bigger than this. And it's got to be, it can't be ordinary. It's got to be extraordinary. And because of it, the reality of Christ and who he is and what he does and how he chooses to do it. It's as if when you search the scriptures, it's as if he just, he travels in the shadows. As he says with the, the scriptures, I, I resist the proud and I dwell with the meek and the lowly in heart. He works in secret places. He does things that, that those that are still given to being led by their own understanding, they can't fully embrace and they can't fully understand it. I thank God with all of my heart, and I pray every morning. I pray with some different people from Times Square Church, and I just say, God, would you help us today to be mindful of your presence in our lives? In the ordinary interactions of every day, when we go to a store, that if we are open to you, you can speak to us about the burden of the heart, maybe of the cashier that's before us. There are giftings of the Spirit that you can allow to be operated through us. If we are willing to look away from what we think things should look like and we let you just be God and you become our light in the darkness of this present time that we're living in. My brother, my sister, you and I have to learn to let Christ be Christ in us now. This is the light that he has promised us in our time of darkness. And it's not going to come with grandeur. Sometimes it's going to come in a stable. It's not going to come with an extraordinary-looking ministry that everybody desires. It just comes with an ordinary-looking man that nobody else wants to look like. I mean, it's just the reality of it. But it is still the plan of God. 
It is this marvelous, 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 marvelous arm of God that I'm praying that will be released and revealed to you in a way this Christmas like you've never known. It starts with just saying, Jesus, thank you for making me the way I am. I don't need to be anybody else. You love me the way I am. When I opened my heart to you, you came into my life. You became my God. You took up your abode in, in the temple of my life, and you were not offended at my ordinariness. So God, help me not to be offended if you choose to operate through the ordinariness of my life. And will you help me not to consider anything too small, a kind word to somebody uh, in a corner store, uh, just a, a prayer that I utter up to you to, to give me strength to do something maybe that I, I can't do in, my, in myself. Would you, would you help me, God, not to consider any task, any interaction, any conversation, any, any, any reaching out with a cup of cold water to anybody? Would you help me to not get so caught up in largeness that I miss, the, I miss Christ? May I put it that way? That's exactly what happened. They were so caught up in the largeness of their God view that they actually missed the Savior when he came. Think about that for a moment. Because it can happen, if it happened to them, it can happen to us. And we get so caught up in the, with our, our view. In other words, if you were in my life, my life would look like this. My family would look like this. I would have a job like this. I, I would have talents like this. And he's already there. The light of Christ is already in us, but we fail to recognize it. The light shined, the scripture says, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. And darkness is, is essentially everything that sets itself against the ways of God. That's what darkness is by definition in a spiritual sense. And so let's have the courage in a sense to say, Jesus, I'm not offended at your littleness. In a sense, you came as a baby. That doesn't offend me. And thank you that in that you're showing me something. You're showing me, yes, there's going to be a, there's going to be a day coming. There's going to be a day coming when, when all hell is going to be destroyed. The devil is going to be cast into uh, an eternal pit of damnation. The nation uh, my, is going to be multiplied. Our joy is going to be increased, and there's going to be a harvest. We're going to divide the spoil. The, the yoke of our oppressor is going to be broken, as in the day of Midian. All of these weapons of war are going to be burned. They're just going to be fuel. For unto us a child is born. God Almighty, it starts there. Would you help me not to be offended by that? You see, this is the key, to not be offended. When Jesus Christ appeared on the earth as a man at 30 years of age, into full-time ministry as it was, uh, by definition, I suppose, into the, the purpose of his life on the earth, they were offended at him. The scripture says it clearly. They didn't think this is what God should look like, how God should act, what God should do, they, because everybody had a, had a view that really didn't fit in with scriptural reality. Let that not be us this Christmas. This Christmas, let his light come into our hearts and become this our strength in the darkness in which you and I have to face now. And I thank God that nothing is too ordinary if Christ is in it, and that every promise he's ever made will be fulfilled. It doesn't all have to be right now. Let's just start with a child and an ordinary man. So, Father, just thank you, Lord, for the men, women, and young people and children that are listening to this program today, God. And I just ask, Lord, that 
make this the best Christmas ever for so many of us, God, that we just finally, finally open the door and say, Jesus, come in. We're not offended at the way you choose to use our lives. We're not offended at the way you choose to be God in us and through us. We're not offended if our names are not known. We're not offended, my God, if you give us something small to do. Lord, help us to see you in everything, every day, everywhere we go. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Give us the quietness and confidence that you promise will be the portion of your people. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. You are so good. You are so good. In Jesus' name. We're going to listen to a song from a CD I did a few years ago called Where Christmas Never Ends. And it's just a simple song that you all know. It's called Silent Night. And as we sing it, uh, in your heart, just go into the manger and say, thank you for coming to me the way you chose to do it. I yield all my thoughts to you, and I ask you to use my life for your glory. I hope you enjoy the song, and thank you for being with this program today. God bless you. Oh!